Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 170, 2018 Award Season Predictions. We'd like to thank our brand new Patreon backer, Eric, for joining Team BGA. You rock, man. You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to Board Gamers and I'm Mr. Podcast of Board Gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. Anthony, it is, of course, award season. And just like every great board game out there, when it's one that comes out, they all come out at the same time, right? That's typically how award seasons work. Yeah, it seems to be. Yeah, we had uh, Tom announced the Dice Tower nominees last week, and then today, uh, about a week before this episode goes up, we had Origins Awards and Spiel des Yard nominees come out on the same day. So, <laughs> lots of stuff to talk about. Yeah, it's really fun talking about the best games in gaming, and we obviously have three great awards to talk about, but we'll leave that for our feature review. Anthony, let's talk about what's going on with Team BGA. What's happening with us? All right, guys, we have a brand new contest coming up. We've talked about this a little bit the last two weeks. Four years ago, we did a big World Cup tournament bracket for our favorite fantasy games. So now that the World Cup is back, we figured, hey, why not do it again? And this time we'll do science fiction games. So we're going to have that episode coming for you in the middle of June, uh, right before Origins. And in preparation for that, we're going to have a contest, very similar to what we do every March uh, with the, the tournament bracket that we do for those games. We're going to be putting up a contest. It'll be on the website here in the next few days. So as you're listening to this, you should be able to go to the website, check it out, enter the contest, and hopefully win a game. You'll be picking the top games from each of the different pools, and then ho- overall which game you think is going to win. And then we're going to calculate who got the closest to the actual winners, Um, when we do the final episode, and then that listener is going to win a free game. The details on all this will be on the website, including how to enter, what game you could possibly win, all that good stuff. So make sure you check that out, either BoardGamersAnonymous.com or the Facebook page, 
or our Twitter. I will post it in all the different places so you can track it down. Once again, thanks to all of the Patreon backers on Team BGA for helping us make this possible. When Anthony and I first started the podcast, we were all about providing you with information and a buying guide so you purchase the best in gaming. And we've heard a lot of feedback from all of you, especially when you're making those gigantic purchases. You're looking to drop 500 or even $1,000 of games and you reach out to us and want to know what the best games to pick out. We love that. But we want to make the podcast so much more. We want to bring out games to you directly. So the more Patreon backers we get, the more new games come out to you for free. And then if you can't or unable to financially help back us, let other people know about the podcast because maybe they can chip a little bit in and then we can bring out a lot more board games out to you. Don't forget, the more word that gets out of BGA, the more we can do. So we have iTunes, we have Stitcher, we have Facebook, we have Twitter, we have BoardGamersAnonymous.com, which is an amazing website with so much more content that we can't fit it on the podcast each and every week. So check all of these different resources out because we want to get the best of board gaming out to you. All right, Anthony, so that's what's happening with BGA. What's happening with our listeners? What's our question of the week? Okay, I asked everybody what their favorite game was that they own, which is a fairly innocuous question, and for most people, it's probably their top favorite game. But then I also asked them, what is one game they would never sell, even if they don't play it? So what's that one game that you have on your shelf that maybe you look at sometimes and say, why do I still own this? Or maybe you look at and say, I will never sell this in a million years because of XYZ. So lots and lots of people. Um, came in with their answers. Rodney started us off. He answered Hoyuk and Raiden Trade uh, because his wife was hired as a proofreader on those. So always a good reason if you're involved in the game. Uh, Selena mentioned A Feast for Odin, even though it rarely hits the table. Polyominoes for the win, which is what I wanted to name this podcast before I was vetoed. Um, <laughs> we have Eric says, people actually get rid of games. What is this madness you speak of? I think I'm kind of in that boat. Uh, we have several people mentioned Gloomhaven because of size, because of cost, because of half a dozen other things. It's a big game and a lot of time gets invested. I would certainly hold on to that as well. Scythe will never leave my collection, says Tim. Chris says Descent, first edition. Too many memories, even though he'll probably never get it back to the table. And then Damien mentions Rising Sun. Spent way too much on it and loves everything about it. I totally understand that. I have several games that I will keep because of either how much I paid for it or I've painted things in them or I just really really want to play it someday like my Imperial Assault collection fits all those categories it has organizers it has all the upgrades it has a lot of painted pieces and I really want to play it with my kids as they get older so I'm gonna hold on to it even though I never yeah for me it has to be a small world I got this game so long ago and played with my family and friends it keeps coming out I especially love my designer edition, which was something that I was really freaked out about buying, but it's something I'm going to pass down, hopefully for generations, because it's just so much fun. But specifically, my recent purchase of Lisboa, which cost a lot of money. I never thought I'd get it to the table. I was a little freaked out about that, but it's come out to the table again and again, and even more recently, people asked for it to come out even again. So that's probably something that's really going to stick with me. I got Vitalo Serta to sign it. Anthony and I played it at Origin. So it definitely has some sentimental value and a lot of table time. All right, Anthony. So that's our question of the week. Let's get on to our acquisition disorders. So we got a big award season coming up. A lot of great games. But what are you thinking about picking up? Okay, so this is a game that I actually already picked up because I just saw it at the store. And I said, why not? It is Jurassic Park Danger Adventure Strategy Game. It is a movie tie-in to the original Jurassic Park 
and it is a Target exclusive. So I saw this on the bottom shelf of the Target while my kids were playing with who knows what. And I, at first I was like, oh, a Jurassic Park game. Cool. And then I kind of turned back the second time and I saw the little Robinsberger uh, blue triangle. And I was like, oh, like a real Jurassic Park game. Interesting. And so I picked it up because, A, it looked interesting and it has all the original characters and little dino meeples and lots of cool stuff in it. And B, it was only $25 for what would probably normally cost 40 or 50 I feel like, in a hobby store. I don't know if that's a special deal the Target got, or maybe they printed a billion of them, who knows. But it was a decent deal, considering what comes in the box. The game itself is a one versus many, so you have one player controlling all the dinosaurs, trying to attack the humans, and then all the other players playing cooperatively to try to get Jurassic Park back up online and get off the island before they die. You are playing as those classic characters. The dinosaur characters are these little meeples running around the board. So it looks interesting. The component quality is good. It does have fo photos from the movie, so it's not all artwork, but uh, I think it's well done. I don't know how it plays. I haven't played it yet. I just picked this thing up because I saw it on the shelf and thought it looked interesting. And I know Dinosaur Island is probably a better game, but... This is Jurassic Park, and I love that movie. So I'm pretty interested to see how it plays. And it's pretty hot right now on BGG. I think it's number two on the hotness. So lots of other people are in the same boat trying to track this thing down. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Dinosaur Island just kind of kicked this into kind of existence for Rosenberger, who's a great company. So it's nice to see, even though it's just kind of like, it seems like almost a throwaway license game, actually picked up by a real company. So this might actually be a solid game. I hope so, because I already got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Anthony, let me tell you about one of these acquisitions that I'm looking at that I think you might be interested in, too, huh? Not huh? again. <laughs> well, it's a game that's currently on Kickstarter. It's called The Forbidden City. This game is by Andreas Stedding, and you might know him from Hansa Teutonica or Friends. He does these really well mechanical, brilliant Euro games and typically has a really nice aesthetic to it. Now, Tasty Minstrel, along with Game Brewer, is bringing this game to Kickstarter. And Game Brewer brings a lot of interesting games out. Gents was just a recent game that came out through Kickstarter. And Tasty Minstrel often does a great job with the game components. So it's a nice marriage of a great game, a great designer, and especially great components. So let me tell you a little bit about this game. Now, this is a solid, crunchy Euro game. It's set in the era of the Ming Dynasty, 1570 China, where the emperor is trying to clamp down on corruptions happening in the city and the city officials and the rich and the powerful are not so much down with that but they do want to kind of favor themselves with the emperor so instead what they're doing is they're trading beautiful and specialty items amongst themselves so you know it won't show that there's some money issues going on so that theme comes really into play in a really interesting way because what you're going to be doing is you're going to have a hand of cards these hand of cards is really going to be one of the main parts of the gameplay because what you're going to be doing is basically playing a card on the board. And if it's higher or if you play additional stuff along with the card, you're going to be able to trade that gift for another gift. And if that all works out, you'll get a special bonus action and you can activate that area in the game. So the game comes down to a lot of this card playing as well as dice that you're going to be able to roll. And those numbers on those dice, just like in Marco Polo, are going to play a big part of the game because you're trying to hit those numbers specifically in order to be able to score the most victory points possible. Now, this game is broken up in, in a kind of way that reminds me of Trajan. It has all these different areas. But unlike Trajan, these areas do come together 
to make a really solid mechanic and thematic gameplay. Now, what it all comes down to is a couple of different things. So you're going to be scoring victory points by purchasing jade that you want to score as victory points for the emperor. You're going to also be able to build the great wall, which is really interesting because once you score that, your people come off the wall and then someone can jump on and build an additional section of that wall. You're going to be able to travel and pick up additional victory points, but special abilities that you're going to be able to add to your tableau. There are decrees, which are going to give you special end game points, which are a lot of fun. There's a grand canal, which you're going to be able to put your servants out there in order to score you victory points and gain influence. And there's an intrigue track, which are going to be tiebreakers throughout the game, but you can also spend your intrigue or your influence in the game in order to give you special bonuses. Finally, there's the Palace of Heavenly Purity, which is really interesting because it reminds me of Bruges as far as ramping up that track to score victory points. But it's definitely like Heaven and Ale, where if you don't get your meeple to the right spot, you won't score any points whatsoever because you didn't make it up to the Emperor. This game looks fantastic. It's something that you should definitely take a look at. They have a regular standard edition and they have a deluxe edition. The deluxe edition just has... A little bit better components, thicker paper, thicker pieces, but nothing that you would be missing if you picked up the standard edition. This campaign backs pretty soon, so if you're interested in this game, take a look at it. It will finally back on Friday, May 25th. Did it again, man. You did it again. <laughs> yes. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it's become now. Like you're doing your outline, you're just like, what can I make Anthony buy? Hmm. This podcast isn't for the listeners, it's for me to make you buy games, man. That's what I'm here for. It would make more sense if we lived near each other and you were just <laughs> wanted to play these games, but it was like 300 miles, so it's just... it's just. I know. My wife's going to have to have a chat with you. I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm going to buy a couple games, too. Probably. <laughs> I'm so good at doing that. <laughs> All right, Anthony, that's it for Acquisition Disorders. Now out to our table with Team BGA. So what have you been playing this week? Alrighty, so this is a game that I, I picked up not too long ago at Tabletop Day. It is called Pioneer Days. It's from Tasty Minstrel. It's by D- Matthew Dunstan and Chris Marling. And it is a game, they they compare it quite copiously to Oregon Trail. And I think that's fair. The, the whole idea is here that you are pioneers traveling along the trail, trying to survive various things that can come get you while you build up your stores of equipment and food and medicine and all that goods. The mechanics of the game are dice and cards but mostly the dice you will be drafting different dice every one of these specific turns during the rounds the game takes place over several weeks and each of those weeks has several days and on each day you'll be drafting a die the way that works is on the first player's turn they're going to draw as many players as there are plus one that many dice from the bag they will roll them throw them people will draft them each of the dice is going to have one of several options on it it will let you pick up pick up wood for wagons cattle equipment medicine gold nuggets it also has a wild token on it that you can use if you don't want to use the actual face value of the die you can instead hire somebody uh, one of these character cards using your dice and then those cards will allow you to do different things sometimes they give you bonuses sometimes they give you immediate benefits sometimes it's ongoing benefits as the game goes along like you know ignore certain bad things that might happen to you or get an extra gold every time you pull a gold nugget for example you can have your little tableau of characters you don't want too many of these however because later there is a situation in which you will um, have to have medicine for them as well as food and if you do not they will die 
So you want to be careful about that. The other interesting thing here about the game is the town mechanism. So at the end of every week, you're going to go to the town and there'll be two town cards. Each of these town cards will say something like, turn in three silver and a cow and one equipment and gain two favor tokens, which are each worth victory points. And so everybody can do that once for each of these cards. The other interesting thing is the, um, the bad stuff that can happen. So every round that you're going to pull these dice out, the, there's always going to be one left over. And the color of that die will determine which track you move up. So there is a raid. Once the raid triggers, every player loses half of their silver. A famine, everybody has to spend one silver per cow they have or lose that cow if they can't pay for it. Uh, disease, you need medicine for all of your townspeople or they die. And then during a storm, you need a wood for your wagon or it will be damaged. So you need to have this stuff in hand. It sounds mean, and it is. It is, again, like the Oregon Trail, where you go along and you go along until you die. <laughs> but uh, it happens to everybody. That so kind of mitigates it a little bit. It's a kind of a collective groan every time it happens. You can play it strategically and kind of trigger these disasters intentionally if you're prepared for it and see that other people aren't. But everybody has that opportunity, so it's something to keep in mind. A very fun little game. It's quick. It's 45 minutes to an hour. Lots of dice rolling. Lots of interesting decisions to be made you can use your dice to hire people or you know get silver or take those actions like i said so you always have different options for what you're going to do you're never stuck without money or goods or anything at any point in time so yeah it's fun and i think it does a good job of capturing what um, the oregon trail felt like as a computer game where you're having fun and you might win but you probably won't but uh, at the same time, it's uh, a little bit quicker and a little bit more colorful than those old games. So I give Pioneer Days a play. It's definitely worth tracking down and giving a go, especially if you like shorter dice drafting type of games. Yeah, this is a really nice production by Tasty Minstrel, too. Like you said, it's it's the mechanics are pretty dark, but the game itself looks very colorful and cartoony in a way. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, all the different townsfolk are unique. Um, there's multiple little mini decks of them. You're going to mix two of those together every time you play the game. So you're going to see different characters every game. Each of you gets your own character. You see them all in the box cover. That has kind of a little special. The two sides usually these games have. One is, you know, one person's immune from illness. And the other side is you have a special power unique to your character. So there's a lot of interesting cool character building type of stuff in the game that doesn't have to be there it's just a basic dice drafting game but um, i think really adds to it and you know there's a nice ambiance here of dying in the american west so wow <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the oregon trail man i guess well i got a much brighter and lighter and, and, and a little more funner game this is vanuatu this is a game that was recently reprinted by quinn games and it's all about this really interesting little archipelago of islands that you're going to be able to do a number of different actions to be able to help with the economy. So dealing with tourists that come to town, building up huts, building and drawing sand paintings, which is really interesting, fishing, and trading resources. Now, this is a beautiful game by Quinn Games. This is actually a reprint. This current one is 2016. It plays from three to five players but I highly recommend playing at the higher player count because while it seems like a typical kind of like Euro game as far as trading resources and trading the kind of like in the Caribbean, the Mediterranean situation, it's a little different because 
the action selection is really what this game comes down to. So at the start of the game, you're going to have one island that's going to start off in a little fishing area and resource area that you're going to start with. But your your little ship is going to be able to explore the waters and find additional islands, find additional resources, which will be able to use to score victory points throughout the game. But that's really not the crux of the game. The crux of the game really comes down to this action selection situation in which you're going to be kind of bidding in a way because you're going to be placing your action markers on a number of different action spots, which will allow you to do the sand paintings, build the huts, fish, trade resources, and just do a number of the actions that are required to score victory points and gain money throughout the game. But when you place your action discs in a specific section, someone else can do the same. And now you're in a situation based upon if you have the same amount of action discs in that area, whoever goes first will take the lead and it could block somebody else from taking that action. In fact, if someone has more action discs than you in a section, not only are they gonna go first in that action, you may not be able to take that action at all based upon how things play out or what resources are available in a particular area. So there's a little bit of a race mechanic, a little bit of a jockeying for position mechanic, and it can be a little mean as far as blocking someone out from what they really need to take. Money is going to be tight in this game. Resources are relatively limited, but it's a beautiful game as far as racing around the waters, dropping off huts, bringing down tourists, and transferring money throughout the game. I enjoy this game a lot. It doesn't play well at the lower player count because it just doesn't scale. So if you're playing, at, let's say, at three players in that game, you're really going to have every action you want to take, and it's just basically who gets the islands first. At the higher player count, four or five, especially five, then the people that you're able to utilize as giving you a special bonus at the beginning of the round is really going to take effect. So it's not then just moving around the island and trading resources. It's utilizing these special characters that give you a special bonus. That's really where those come into play. Overall, it's a great production and definitely something you should take out. I'm going to give Vanuatu a play. All right, Anthony, that's everything for our At The Table. Let's get on to our feature review. So for our feature review this week, we are talking about award season. And of course, when it's award season, you got to talk about the best and brightest in games for 2018. We got three different award nominations that recently popped up. We are talking about Dice Tower Awards. We are talking about uh, Origins Awards. We are talking about the Spiel des Jahres Awards. So a lot of awards to talk about. Anthony, let's start off with the Dice Tower Awards. Why don't you take us through the nominations and let's pick out some winners. All right. Yeah, no, the Dice Tower Awards are coming up. Um, the nominees were just announced last week uh, by Tom on the channel, and the winners will be announced in July at Dice Tower Con. And just full, you know, so just so you guys know everything goes on here, we are part of the people who help nominate and vote on these. So uh, there's a group of 100 or so um, people who are on the Dice Tower or in the network or just related to board games in general who do this. And you can hear Tom kind of run through the whole process on that video. But we will be voting on this in official capacity in the next couple of months as well. Uh, but for now, we're just going to say which ones we think are going to win, because that's fun, too. Um, so the first category here is the most innovative. It's got Gloomhaven, Charterstone, Seventh Continent, Fog of Love, and Drop Mix, which is a funny addition. Uh, what do you think? I, I guess it's got to go to Gloomhaven, right? I mean, there's just so much buzz of it for it. It's got to go there. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had the same thought at first, but I'm like, it's innovative in a lot of ways because it definitely rethinks the way you know these dungeon crawls work. But um, some of these other games are also crazy innovative. But I kind of agree. <laughs> I think it'll probably get the, get it in the end. Sure. Um, best two player games: Santorini, Fog of Love, Codenames Duet, Caverna, Cave versus Cave, and The Fox in the Forest. My pick here is Caverna. I think probably Codenames will win, but I, hopefully it's Caverna. Yeah, I mean, Caverna does such a great job of boiling down what's such an awesome but gigantic game and keeps the spirit of the game alive. So, yeah, that would be my vote as well. Best theming, This War of Mine, Ex Libris, Spirit Island, Near and Far, and Photosynthesis. These are all amazing. And I think, honestly, if you're doing theming, like in the real, what theming means, it's probably going to be This War of Mine, even though that game makes you feel like crap. Um, but it really captures that feeling uh, of war and how bad it is so yeah i'm gonna go along with spirit island just because i don't think that we've seen that theme before usually it's it's kind of like the opposite you're colonizing the island you're pushing back against the colony so that's a theme that i'd like to see a lot more of all right best strategy game anachrony spirit island near and far gloomhaven and dinosaur island for me it's probably gonna be spirit island i mean that was my pick uh in 2017 in general so uh, for strategy games for me i'm gonna go with dinosaur island just because of the variety of strategies that you can employ in order to win the game i i definitely agree with you spirit island absolutely adore and love but you need everyone together dinosaur island is just a lot of different paths to victory all right best reprint nemo's war second edition coliseum stop thief twilight imperium fourth edition and downforce Whew. I think probably the winner here is going to be Twilight Imperium, and I love that thing. But Nemo's War is, if you're looking at improvement over first edition, this is by far and away the the best of the bunch. Yeah, for me, it's Twilight Imperium 4th edition, just because that game would have never hit the table if it wasn't for the revisions they made to the game and the upgrades. So really glad that's out there. All right, best party game, Magic Maze, Word Slam, Werewords, Meeple Circus, and Rhino Hero Super Battle. Uh, I would have said Word Slam up until the end of the year, but Meeple Circus is a whole heck of a lot of fun. Surprisingly enough, Word Slam has come out again and again, and recently I was at a convention, and I brought that out, and a number of different families said that they were going to be buying that game immediately, so much so that I wish I had stock in the company, so Word Slam. (laughs) Uh, Best game from a small publisher. So this is, I think it's publishers have only done one or two games. Century, Spice Road, Sagrada, The Seventh Continent, Gloomhaven, and Azul. Um, I think Gloomhaven's the the walk away on this one. Yeah, I mean, the, all of them deserve awards, but Gloomhaven was such a Herculean effort. You get so much in that game. Isaac did an amazing job. So yeah, Gloomhaven. Uh, best game from a new designer again: Gloomhaven, Photosynthesis, Spirit Island, Dragon Castle, and Too Many Bones. Uh, yeah, probably Gloomhaven here again. See, I'm going to go with Spirit Island here just because. It's so innovative how the spirit's powers work together, and yet they're so asymmetrical. So, yeah, Spirit Island for me. Okay. Best family game, Azul, Baron Park, Century Spice Road, Downforce, and Sagrada. I I like all of these games, but I think the one that's come out that I really enjoy the most of late is Azul. For me, it's going to be Century Spice Road, actually Gollum Edition, because out of all these games, they keep asking for the Gollum Edition to come to the table. Best Expansion, Scythe the Wind Gambit, Terraforming Mars, Venus Next, Star Wars Rebellion, Rise of the Empire, Zaya, Embers of a Forsaken Star, and Champions of Midgard, Valhalla. These names are all too long. 
Um, <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. Like I've only played a couple of these, and I don't think either of them are essential expansions. So I need to play more of these. I don't know which one's gonna win. <laughs> Well, I'm going to go with Star Wars Rebellion Rise of the Empire because the one major criticism they had with Rebellion was the combat system. And Rise of the Empire kind of tweaks that enough that it's a lot better. So I'm going to go with that. All right. Best cooperative game. Gloomhaven, Flipship, Spirit Island, Pandemic Legacy Season 2, and The Seventh Continent. Um, on this one, I will go with you on Spirit Island. Fantastic co-op game. Yeah, Spirit Island because you do absolutely positively need to take the time to co-op. Whereas Gloomhaven, you kind of talk about what you want to do, but you're basically playing your own hand. All right. Best board game production. Twilight Imperium 4th Edition, Photosynthesis, Azul, Wasteland Express, Delivery Service, and Charterstone. Oof, this is a tough one. I don't know. What do you think? I'm going to go with Photosynthesis just because we haven't seen that kind of level of production, especially for an abstract game that is so thematic. And there's nothing like that at a table when you're just walking through a game room you're like wow look at all those trees yeah and we did pick it for our uh, components in our bracket so <laughs> yeah i think I, I would go with you that or twilight imperium twilight imperium is just a ridiculous presence and the upgrades they made in that are, are just outstanding best game artwork near and far lisboa charterstone century golem edition and yamatai i like all of these, and I would love for a game like Lisboa to walk away here, but I know it won't. Um, I think Yamatai, though, has some of the prettiest artwork I've seen this last year. Short, quick story here. I got to play Lisboa with a friend of mine. Did not like the game at all, but the entire time kept saying, I might buy this game just so I can pin the board to the wall. So I'm going with <laughs> Lisboa. That would be amazing. Yeah, Eric, uh, you know, Tool's artwork is always great. And then best game of the year. Seventh Continent, Century Spice Road, Charterstone, Dinosaur Island, Gloomhaven, Near and Far, Pandemic Legacy Season 2, Sagrada, Spirit Island, and Azul. I, I think Gloomhaven's probably going to walk away on this one. Just too big of a juggernaut right now not to. I would agree with that, but I'm going to hold out for Spirit Island just because it does so many things right that I've never seen before. And I'm not a co-op fan, so I'm going to go with Spirit Island. All right, Anthony, why don't you take us over to the Origins Awards? The Origins Awards have become kind of a running joke with our podcast, at least. I can't speak for everybody else because they change it every year significantly. It's always very different. Um, in the past, it would just be this mishmash of games and random categories. This year, we have six, seven categories uh, and then accessories there at the end. And this year, they've thrown in 10 to 12 nominees in every category. So this will be fun to read through. Um, <laughs> first up, we have board games. The Captain is Dead, Dice Forge, Gloomhaven, The Godfather, Great Western Trail, Lorenzo Il Magnifico, Near and Far, Pandemic Legacy Season 2, Raiders of the North Sea, Tack, A Beautiful Game, Sagrada, and Santorini. Oof. Um, <laughs> there's no Spirit Island in there, so I'm just going to say Gloomhaven probably, but who knows? This is so, such a random list of games. <laughs> It's a super random list of games, and I'm probably Gloomhaven's going to walk away with literally every award this year, but I'm going to hold out just a little bit for Lorenzo because I do enjoy that game so much. Yeah, it is really good. Card games, there are 10 nominees, 5-Minute Dungeon, Aeon's End, Custom Heroes, Ex Libris, The Fox in the Forest, Hero Realms, Honshu, Jump Drive, The Lost Expedition, and One Deck Dungeon. Oh my gosh, so much reading. Aeon's End for me here, I this is another one of those games that just kind of tweaks the formula just enough to be very unique and interesting, and I really like it. Yeah, for me, Jump Drive, just because I'm such a big race for the Galaxy, World for the Galaxy fan, and Jump Drive does it brilliantly 
It doesn't lose any of its charm or speed, and it's just such a great little game, and it's just a deck of cards. Whereas some of these other games, they're a little bit more than a deck of cards. Mm, good point. <laughs> uh, collectible card games. Now, we don't have a ton of interest here, but we always like to guess. Card Fight Vanguard Demonic Advent Booster. <laughs> um, D&D Miniatures Icons of the Realm. DC Comics Dice Master Batman. Dragon Ball Super Galactic Battle Booster. Final Fantasy TCG Opus 1. Marvel Hero Clicks The Mighty Thor. Magic the Gathering, Ixalan Booster, Pokemon TCG Sun and Moon, Star Wars Destiny Awakenings, and Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, I'm going to go with Destiny, because it's the only one I played. But <laughs> I like it, too. Alright, well, it's it's really a, a tough one here, because as you know, these are all pretty amazing. But just because he had such a great movie presence, Marvel Hero Clicks the Mighty Thor. Alrighty, Family Games. Ten nominees here as well. Uh, we have Azul, Bunny Kingdom, Codenames Disney, Codenames Duet, Downforce, Drop Mix, Hot Shots, Mountains of Madness, Sagrada, and Viral. I love that Bunny Kingdom got nominated. It's one of my favorite little games from recently, so I, I would love to see that one win. Well, I'm going to go with a, something a little different here. I know it's not a controversial pick, but out of these games, I'm probably going to say Azul's going to win the family game here. That's a good guess. <laughs> uh, miniatures. Only four nominees. That's weird. For some reason. Blood and Plunder, Rune Wars Miniatures Game, The Walking Dead Miniatures Game, and Warhammer 40k 8th Edition. I have no idea. What do you think? <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of hard not to root for Rune Wars since we do love the Terranoff universe. But typically, if you got to go for a miniatures game, how could it not be Warhammer 40,000 8th Edition? Yeah, fair enough. And then the role-playing games. Adventure in Middle-Earth. Blades in the Dark, Blue Rose 2nd Edition, Cthulhu Confidential, The Dark Eye Core Rules, Extraordinary Adventures of Baird Munchausen 3rd Edition, My Little Pony, Tales of Equestria, Monster Hearts 2, Puppet Land, Starfinder, Traveler Starter Set, and Vert. Twelve of them. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think Starfinder probably, just because that's the behemoth out of this list, but... Yeah, we don't have Daniel around to tell us which one of these is the best. It's true, but if he was here, I'm sure he'd pick My Little Pony Tales of Equestria. <laughs> it's got to be My Little Pony. Because, you know, friendship's magic, man. Yeah, my kids would be all about that. And then the role-playing supplement. This is my favorite. 13 nominees. <laughs> Jeez. Some of them multiple supplements for the same game. So we have Adventures in Middle-Earth, the Rovanian Region Guide, and the Loremaster's Guide, Blue Rose Narrator's Kit, Call of Cthulhu, the Grand Grimoire of the Cthulhu Mythos and the Two-Headed Serpent, um, Castles and Crusades Codex Germania and Codex Slavorium, Cipher System Expanded Worlds and Predation, Doctor Who RPG, Game Master's Companion, Dungeons and Dragons, Xanathar's Guide to Everything, Mutants and Masterminds, Atlas of Earth Prime, and Shadow of the Demon Lord, Demon Lord's Companion. Uh... <laughs> That's a mouthful. Yeah, um... I'll give the award here to whoever has to announce these nominees during the awards. It's true. I'm going to go with Doctor Who RPG Game Master's Companion just because I've really enjoyed Cubicle 7's board games with Doctor Who. They're very, very thematic. And Doctor Who's on the upswing. So let's go with Doctor Who. All right. And in the last category here, seven nominees, Game Accessories, Chaosium Call of Cthulhu Coloring Book, Sorted <laughs> Sorcery Custom Dice Pack, The Broken Token Terraforming Mars Organizer, Sales and Glory Series 4 Ship Packs, um, which is not really accessory, that's part of the game. 
Smirking Dragon, Tablecloths, D&D Icons of the Realm, and Pathfinder Battles, Pre-Painted Miniatures, and Zaya Station Organizer. Um, let's go with Broken Token. They're yeah, cool. I mean, I, I have the Broken Token Terraforming Mars Organizer, and I, and I like it a lot. And if you can just kind of get a nice kind of rust color to it, you got a Mars-looking kind of insert there. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that is all of them, thankfully. Wow. Yeah. Did they nominate everybody at the convention? They might have. I feel like they're just like, send in your game, we'll take a look. And they're like, let's just nominate everybody who sent in a game. Oh, <laughs> so. we love you, Origins. You just love everybody, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Anthony, let's get on to the one that everyone's been waiting for, the Spiel des Jahres nominations. All right, yeah, so these came out this morning as well. Um, as you can tell, we're recording this about a week before the episode comes out. But we have the Spiel des Jahres nominees... Starting with Azul, Michael Kiesling, The Mind, Wolfgang Warsh, and Luxor by Rudiger Dorn. Um, those are the three of the... So the, the spiel itself is kind of a family midweight games. Or for us in particular on BGA, fairly light. So which one do you think is going to pull away here? You know, Spielish Yaris is always the most difficult to pick each and every year. There's always the favorites, and the favorites typically lose... I would have to say Azul, just because it's Azul, and it's a really solid family weight type of abstract game, so that should win, so Luxor. Yeah, that's that's exactly where I'm at. Like I saw somebody say that uh, Azul is the odds-on favorite, the mind is really buzzy right now, everybody's talking about it, and therefore Luxor will win, because there you go. that's how it works, right? <laughs> um, I've only played one of those. I think it would be a great winner, but I don't know. The Kennerspiel this year is uh, kind of the slightly heavier. They're kind of a little above medium weight games, usually. Um, the gamer games. The three nominees are... Uh, this one's hard. De Quacksalber von Quedlinburg. Um, exactly. Is, exactly, right? And that's mm-hmm. also by Wolfgang Warsh. And then D... De... Okay, so the other game here is also by Wolfgang Warsh. So he has three nominations out of the six, which is very impressive. Guns Shown Clever, and that's a roll-and-write game. Um, that's all I know about it. And then Heaven and Ale. So Michael Kiesling also has another game um, in this list. Which of those three do you think will win? Well, you know, as far as a strategy game, that's typically what this award is for. Of course... I would say Heaven and Ale because it's a solid, really smart, innovative Euro game. So therefore, I'm going with Die Quackerberg <laughs> so-and-so von DuckTales. Yeah. Our, German, our German listeners are going to appreciate that. Die uh, Quackerberg von Quedlinburg. I got it. Exactly. I That's probably what didn't I said. get it. I probably didn't get it. Um <laughs> Yeah, I haven't played, obviously I haven't played that. It doesn't have a U.S. publisher yet, nor does the clever one. So I can't say for sure. I do like Heaven and Ale a lot, but I honestly think it's probably a little too heavy to win this. Yeah, definitely. All right, and then the last group here is the Kinderspiel. Um, we have Imohito, uh, Funkelschatz, Dragon's Breath, and Panic Mansion. I do have, I believe I do have Dragon's Breath um, for my children. It's They like it quite a bit. It's a fun little game. I've not played the other two games, but... Uh, anytime you have a hobby game in here, I think it's a it's a fair, safe bet to say that one could win. Yeah, I think if I remember correctly, I did get to see kids playing this as well, and it was a lot of fun. So I'm going to go with Dragon's Breath as well. 
Alrighty. So that's all of those. Um, there are also some recommendations. They usually do this. So for the spiel, they recommended Five Minute Dungeon, Face Cards, Majesty for the Realm, Memoir, Santorini, and Woodlands. And then for the Kenner spiel, they recommended Clank and Pioneers. And I believe there was a special award, too. They gave out the Pandemic Legacy Season 2, uh, which is just saying, hey, this game's great, too, but we're not nominating it because we nominated the last one. So um, that's, that's the spiel. Much shorter list. Definitely. All right, so that's everything for this time. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. <laughs>